The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a free agent head coach and analyst as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to our second live show that we have done throughout this World Championship Series. We are here to recap week two of the World Championship. What a crazy week. There were only six people, six people who got the pickums 100% correct I do not know the sobriety of those people at the time. That has not been confirmed. What has been confirmed is that uh, we have a graveyard filled with teams that we did not expect, and we have a bracket stage filled with teams that are going to lead to some interesting semifinals moments, we'll say. I I think that 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 draw went in some really interesting ways. And to discuss all of it, the good and the bad, I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Walter Ciedes Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? That draw is terrible for the final, for the actual championship game, but it's great for us that are going to be in uh, in New York City. Yeah. That's fantastic. The only the only point, part that disappoints me, and I think uh, Edelweiss tweeted out too, Barry, um, tweeted out, he's like, damn it, my floor seats are on Saturday, not Friday, and Friday would be the potential Rocks versus SKT game, and I'm in the same boat. So sorry, Barry, we're both, we're both going to be up in the nosebleeds for that series. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think Riot wanted the script to be like that. I think uh, I think their scriptwriters were on lunch or something when that draw happened because well, that well, was some bad juju. I mean, the best part of it was them really trying to make it uh, <laughs> SKT versus Albus Knox Luna <laughs> and having them actually do the handshake only to recognize that they just broke the rule they had just talked about literally two <laughs> minutes ago. So they have to awkwardly go back and suddenly it's like, oh, and it's H2K now, which. To me, it was wonderful because now we get to talk about the Shakarez tweet where after Group C did its thing, uh, you got to hear him. He tweet, just tweeted out, I'm calling this now. H2K draws Albus Knox Luna and loses. Save this tweet. I have I saved your tweet, buddy. I don't care either way because I either get to watch Albus Knox Luna play at Madison Square Garden or I get to see Forgiven. I'm like, I'm on cloud nine. Yeah, well, Cloud9, I think, is on Cloud9 as well. I mean, that's... With Samsung? I don't think so. As I mean, they still get to say that they were NA's last hope, and they did the job, unlike two other teams we'll talk about later. But we should start with the graveyard of the World Championship. Obviously, uh, it would be nice if... you know, at, you know, I'm sure some teams would be like, oh, man, why can't everyone move on there's always that second edge of the story right only half the teams can go on there will always be losers to every winner 
and we've got eight losers to talk about. So let's get into it, Walter. We're going to start with the worst team at this tournament. From Group C, they went one and five. They are INTZ. Are you disappointed with this performance, or was this kind of where you expected them to end up? I mean, I'm not disappointed. I mean, they did beat they beat EDG. Like they got they got one win. I guess for Brazil, it's disappointing mm-hmm. between because they won two last year and this year they only won one. So obviously, that can be looking at a kind of a disappointment. But they beat EDG, which is one of the top three teams in the world. Uh, it was a really strong match, and my problem was just they sort of abandoned what they were good at yeah. the last five games. They stopped playing through Yang. They stopped really going super aggressive at that. I don't know why Revolta is ever being, uh, you know, ever getting put on Skarnar. It makes no sense to me. They really just abandoned what they were good at for the sake of some world's meta that clearly Albus Knox Luna just kind of ignored, <laughs> and I think INTZ needed to ignore as well if they wanted to be successful. Um, when you are when you are not as good as other teams, mm-hmm. strategically, yes. and it's a it's a theory that's like in football. Um, if you aren't as good as them, you got to drag them into the mud with you. You need to make the game as sloppy, as messy as possible, and that is why INTZ was so good in game one. It was a sloppy game. They dragged EDG down into the mud with them. They went after that weak point. They highlighted that weak point. They they grabbed that weak point like a bone and they were a pit bull and they just would not let go yeah and uh and and they were able to take advantage of it and then the rest of the tournament they didn't they're like oh we beat edg we beat a top three team in the world we can win this clean like we can do this and they they didn't no they didn't and we said that after week one i mean this is the thing that really disappointed me is that week one taught them everything that we should have known about what their tournament was going to be we knew that macau did not look very good we knew that Jockster looked just as bad, if not worse. We knew that, you know, Talkers was not going to be a hard carry. It was going to fall on Yang, and Yang's Nar was never going to see the light of day again. So they needed to come up with something else, anything else. And they had a week, and they didn't. And, you know, I've said this a thousand times, and, and I think you've pointed it out as well. When you're an underdog, you have to play like it. You have to understand that you are not going to win a straight-up battle. And you have to make adjustments accordingly. And when you don't do that, when you put yourself in a situation where your only hope to get out of a group is to just play them head on and try to play on their level. I think the Revolta game on Skarner was really the sign that I knew this team isn't winning another game. You know, They just didn't have the confidence in themselves to do something different. Yeah. And it's important, you know? And, and and the worst part is for Brazilian fans is that they beat EDG, <laughs> and then a week later, Albus Knox Luna beats the Rocks Tigers, and no one cares about the INTZ EDG upset anymore. It's it's going to yeah. go down in the record books as the second most interesting upset in this <laughs> tournament, at best. And that's, I mean, you know, sorry. That's the way it goes. They, they had chances. They put themselves in positions where they could have been successful, and they didn't do it. You know, that, and, and you can blame it on bad drafting. You can blame it on, you know, Yang being outside of his champion pool comfort zone. I, I don't care. I saw Maokai played over the course of this week. I saw Nautilus played over the course of this week. I'm not saying it was a good idea. I'm just saying that it happened. And so... I, I'll, I'll save, I'll actually save this statement for, for when we get to them because it's a banger. I mean, it's, it, it was something. I, I absolutely could say without a doubt 
that it was a thing that happened. That is that is all I can say. And I think yep. that's all we could really say about INTZ. I think it's we need to move on. Uh, Group A, a one in five team. Biggest disappointment of the tournament, G two esports. Walter, did Perks's apology make you feel any better about the fact that this this powerhouse just completely no showed this tournament? Perks had an apology. Yeah, he went out and told the fans, and I believe the the words he used were, "We went into this tournament with the wrong mentality." I'm really sorry about oh, what happened. Oh, we're going to yeah. keep the roster together and we're going to come back stronger next split, which first of all, I'm not sure I agree with keeping the roster together. Nope. I, I think that there's clearly some, some, I think there's missteps. two people, two, two players on that roster that will probably get replaced. Expect. See you buddy. Sorry. Yeah. You're just not the right fit. Um, enjoy your, your Korean challenger league teams. Um, you'll be fine over there. Um, nothing <laughs> special. Sorry, I don't want to be rude to you. You were okay. Um, but, yeah, like, no. Peace. You're out, buddy. Yeah. And then Perks. Perkovich. My good friend Perks. You need to improve immensely over this off season. Yeah. If you want to maintain your spot on this roster. I think the one thing you really have going for you is that there is kind of a lack of some talent in Europe in the challenger division. Um, I can't think of anyone right off the top of my head that would instantly come in and, and could take your job. Um, maybe that's a potential. You look to Korea and you take a Korean mid laner and bring him in with trick. Um, trick. I think is fine. I think this was a bad tournament for him. Yeah. Um, I think this is a really bad tournament for him. That this is not trick that we know of. Yeah. Uh, the trick that we know of is the two-time European MVP that was crushing and styling on junglers, and I think he just was really out of sorts. And shot but, calling, which is the other thing yeah. we have to bring up with G two, yeah. is that they Weird. never made right calls until the one game that they won. It was the only thing that gave them any sort of redeeming quality. Oh. It's, and of course, continues the villain narrative because it was the one game none of us wanted them to win, oh, which was heart. against Albus Knox Lee. And, and, and this is the thing. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Perks for a moment, and I know that sounds crazy. What? I was, you? I was the one condemning him two oh, weeks God. ago. What? This version of Perks doesn't work. But, and this is a big but, he is an immature dude. We've seen this on social media. He's young, he won Rookie of the Split in the spring. That's yep. literally half a year ago. The guy is provably talented on the right kind of champion. That Rise game was a good game. I know that people, you know, the, the, my Rise is bad, my Azir is worse. His Rise was never as bad as people made it out to be. He had one bad Rise game, and people <laughs> figured out that it fit in the cadence of their meme. And the meme is worth well more than actually an analysis of what was going oh, on. Yeah. And, you know, look, he had a bad tournament. He's had two bad tournaments now. I think the guy won Rookie of the Split. He, you know, was arguably the MVP of that first final series. You know, G2 never really got tested again in Europe. They s cruised their way to a first place finish. You know, so it's like, oh, all those people who gave us crap about MSI, clearly we know what we're doing. And then they didn't. And you see the difference between them and a team like H2K, where H2K said, yeah, we had a bad week. We're going to bounce back. We're going to recover. We're going to do some different things. G2 looked absolutely done until they played Albus Knox Luna and then decided to show up for one game because... And, and that I don't think was really G2. 
I don't think that was anything incredible G2 did. I think that a lot of it is also on Elvis Knox was was trying out some things. I was trying to play a bit more standard, which, guys, wildcard teams, cheese it up, boys. Get that Gouda. Get yeah. that Blue. Get that Gorgonzola. I, there, there is a, an accoutrement of cheeses that you can bring to the party, so to speak. So go go deep into your charcuterie. Go, go to your cheesemonger. Get that 100-year-old cheddar out. You know, I, I have a nice plate and knife set that I can give you guys. Um, but G2, you aren't a wildcard team. You aren't allowed to just cheese people to death. And uh, I'm Perks, the problem is this was a roaming mid-meta, which fits into his style. He is very much a roamer. Granted, it's more on Assassins than it is like a Rise or a Cassiopeia, but it's still roaming. It's still getting out of your lane. It's still pushing up and roaming out of your lane, and they just failed at it. He just did terrible with it because at no point was he ever able to control his lane opponent. Was he ever able to truly push up his lane and was able to exert his influence? And some of that was just trick. Never had any influence on the map either. So that meant you couldn't get wards into, into the enemy jungle. You couldn't get wards on the side. You couldn't you know, give perks the comfort to fully push up his wave and, mm-hmm. and get out. Um, but at the end of the day, like expect I think is gone. Maybe for a certain player on this team who's a top laner, but isn't actually a player at this moment, could we see the return of Joey Youngbuck? Oh, don't you dare. To the top lane. No. His shot calling no. prowess. Kennen! Kennen, dude! I Kenan don't was care. A, you a have a shot caller. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. Like, I just had to say it to tilt you. I know, and you did. Congratulations. At least you didn't say zero zero. That would have really been the one. That would have thrown me off. We gave up. We gave up on Zero Zero ages ago. I mean, if that fair, king was going to play League of Legends, he'd be back by now. He's so done. I think He's yeah. Toasted. I think Zero Zero wow. gave up on Zero Zero a while ago as well. And I mean, before he actually stopped playing the game. <laughs> I uh, we're going to move on. I don't. Know, I mean, it's it's just disappointing. And and I think that Perks might recover, but his you know it depends on how he responds to this. He's got nothing but hate from the internet for a while now. And people respond to that in one of two ways. Either they say, I'm going to prove everyone wrong and show them what I'm capable of, or they become head cases and we never hear from them again. And we're about to find out which version of that he is. Very true. Very true. You know, and that'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, our last one in five team from Group D, Splice. They proved me wrong. They won a game. I got to give them that. They did, in fact, win a game. And that game gave TSM hope for about three hours and then ended up not really mattering. Did you see, I mean, what were the improvements that you would point to when you look at what they did this week versus what they did last week? Because as much as I'm sure Splice hates to admit it, this really was about, um, you know, growing as a team and being ready to come back and come back better next split. So... What was the growth? What are we already seeing from this team? They they were more confident. Um, I think that's just what it comes down to is they were they were really much more confident. Um, trashy in particular. Uh, they got uh, Senkux onto a mid laner, which he can really affect the map. The Malzahar is definitely in his champion pool. Um, something, hmm, perks, maybe you should have played Malzahar. That seems like a your kind of champion where it's kind of safe. You can push up the lane really quick. Either way, uh, got him onto a good champion. Uh, Kabe and Mickey weren't really 
challenged much in that game by by Uzi and Mata, which was sort of weird. Yes. Um, they they I to be fair, Kobe and Kobe and Mickey definitely took a step back and were like, okay, we're gonna play about as safe as you possibly can without going full Sky Williams play like a, you know. Like yeah. if you've seen that video, you know a word I'm I'm yeah. blatantly like a word ignoring. we're not allowed to use on a sponsored yeah. podcast. So yeah. they they basically did that, and then wonder there were three or four times where he should have died, just straight up should have died and allowed Looper to get going, mm-hmm. and he didn't, and Looper didn't get going, and he got going, and he was able to actually influence the map. So I think this was a success for Splice. I don't think anyone had the expectation of... I don't even think Splice had the expectation of anything more than maybe we can test for the second seed if we get lucky. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cyronas pointed out in the uh, chat, and I just responded to that, but he's uh, absolutely correct in saying there were a lot of, uh, we're just happy to be here. We're ready to learn from this experience. You know, they knew. I mean, especially into the group that they were drawn into. We didn't know that Royal Never Give Up was going to have as bad of a week two as they did. We didn't know that TSM was going to have as bad of a week two as we did, and we're going to get to that later on in the show. But, I mean, this is something where they got to win, and they proved that they could do it on the big stage. They got to have, you know, the one post-game interview. I thought that Senkux (laughs) as a whole looked a lot better week two than he did week one. I felt a lot better. You didn't play about... Cassie. It's incredible. You don't play a champion you're bad at, and you look better. Like it's <laughs> I... incredible. What are the odds? It is amazing what happens when you sure don't do. pick yourself into a matchup that you know you're bad at. I know it's shocking, but here we are. Um, and, and and you know, I, I think that next year Splice could certainly grow. I think that there are things you're going to have to point to as. Either players are going to have to improve quickly or you'll have to look at potential replacements. Yeah. Very few times do we go through an offseason where teams retain all five players, either because they'll be outbid or because of, you know, players just wanting to try something new. G2 Perks, I got to be honest, as much as I like Perks, he might be a perfect candidate for a change of scenery guy. Yeah. He might be someone who just is going to do a lot better with a stricter coach, maybe like a Daylore type. If Daylor has any interest in coming back at all, which it doesn't seem like he does. Oh, there, oh, I have some thoughts about Daylor later. Yeah, worry, I mean, we'll. Um, yeah, there are coaches like that though. Coaches that can can beat someone like that into shape, and you know, I think Yamato Cannon is the perfect kind of coach for this team. I think that certainly there are players of this team. You know, in a different meta, Trashy has looked very good. Uh, he'll have to expand his champion pool if they want to trust him in the long run. You know, Wonder was a very good top laner throughout the regular season. This was not the champion pool for him as well, and he has to work on expanding. You know, they were very bad one split and very good the next, and some when when enough of that can be put towards meta changes, it makes you wonder how resilient this team is and whether or not mm-hmm. they're going to be ready to do this for a whole another year. But you have time for that. You know, this is the good news for Splice is that you have time to sort this out. You know, you really you sit down with Yamato Can and you sit down with. You know, the big bosses over in NA and you talk about, you know, which players you believe have the potential to keep growing and which ones tap out. And if you're Splice, maybe you have to even look at, you know, which players are worth, you know, like a sign in trade almost where they, you know, get a, at least a little bit back for them. You know, Mickey, it might be a good example of that where there will be some teams that are looking for supports that, you know, he won rookie of the split, uh, but you could maybe part ways with him depending on the offer that you get. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle the offseason. 
And and let's not forget, guys, there are tons of sports teams that are now getting involved. We've seen two big groups get into North America. If you think that Europe is going to go through this whole off-season period without any, you know, Bundesliga or Spanish League or even Premier League, like, teams are starting to get really interested. And if the changes are made this off-season that we think are going to happen, bidding wars are going to start. And when bidding wars start, talent moves around, and we'll see what happens this place. We'll, We'll see what this team ends up being. But I think that these guys all grew enough that you can point to particular moments at Worlds where, you know, that's your upside if you were, say, their agent in a world in which these guys had agents that actually cared about them <laughs> rather than, you know... I was going to say, like, agent doesn't really exist in League of Legends. Well, if agents don't exist, then how did Veritas get signed? That's my counterpoint. Someone is there upselling certain talents, and maybe it's only Koreans who do it, but... Touché. You know. Touché. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of teams that are going to have a lot of upselling to do this offseason. Group B, they went 2-4. and four. They technically are not the last place team of the, of the group, but I'm thematically uh, putting the last <laughs> place team of that group together with the next team we're going to talk about after. So let's talk about Aimee. Uh, I may have some strong feelings about this team's performance this week. Walter... You you didn't have a dog in the game when it came to Group B. You just wanted to see SKT look like SKT and everything else. The chips could fall where they may. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at Aimee, were you happy to see some of the weirdness that came out of their pick and ban? Were you... <laughs> happy. I mean, happy. Like, like, how did it make um, you feel? Like, I mean, like, as an analyst, it drove me happy. both up the wall and made me incredibly curious because these were clearly, you know, no one would have predicted our jungler plays support while our mid laner plays jungle. <laughs> I don't think anyone was oh, expecting man. that. Like, I, I figured they would just get a mage support that kind of played like a mid laner, like, you know, worst case scenario, like an Annie or something, at least you have heart engage and he knows how to do it. Like, wh- Clearly, I don't understand that Koreans just play Lee Sin and they can just all go yeah, in and do it. I, I, I learned that. So I learned that from Obscurica and, and Edelweiss, Barry, Barry. And uh, basically, they said, yeah, like, yeah, Koreans, they do whatever their preferred position is. And they all do jungler as their secondary. And if they get the jungle, they just play Lee Sin because that way then they can just work on their mechanics. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. And then when they did that, I, I like went to the bathroom and came back and they're all talking about it in Discord. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I look at it, I'm like, is that support Lee Sin? Oh wait, no, it's Alistar and their jungler. Oh, okay, I see what they're saying. Because I think I came in right as the broadcast was talking about like, oh, he just switched to exhaust in time. Like, oh, he just he barely changed his summoner spell. And they were like, are they doing double jungle? What are they doing? What is this craziness? It's Aimee. It could be literally anything. For the record, double jungle would have been pretty sweet. It double jungle would have been amazing. Sense, it would have killed Kelsey Moser. She would have actually died in the, in the press room at the <laughs> venue. It would have been hilarious. Emily Rand, during this entire group, was keeping us informed of how Kelsey was reacting to Aimee during... Like during the entire stretch, it was great. It was entertaining. It was wonderful. Um, I just loved it. What during that Cloud Nine game, she said, "No, this isn't happening. No, I'm <laughs> not. That they're not. They can't this win. Stop it. Just stop but, it right now." That's every like I may win over the past three months has been just like they are the epitome of we aren't as good as this team. 
We're dragging them into the mud with us. The 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 awkward top lane champion picks were just amazing Jay being amazing Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were entertaining. I would say they were amazing. Uh, from a like a spectator fan, like as an analyst, this was a horrible team to watch because you're like they're doing this wrong, they're doing this wrong. Uh, someone on Twitter was like, I must not judge uh, Athena's jungle pathing. I must not judge Athena's jungle pathing. I must not. Why are you starting at blue buff? (laughs) That was like sick. What are you doing? That was was one of my favorite tweets. It was great. It was, it was, they were great to watch from an entertainment standpoint. Um, They were the Santino Morella of the tournament. For those of you who don't know WWE, Santino Morella was a Italian caricature of a man that was a jobber. His job was to lose to everyone. Yes. He was a heel. He was a baby face. He was a heel again. Like, that was his job, is go, when you want to make a guy look good, you send in Santino Morella. He did a stupid trumpet thing with his hand. He strut around. His his finisher was he took a snake sock puppet out, and he bit you, and that was his finishing move. Just a hilarious character. And then, like, in the last couple of years that he was with WWE, they're like, all right, like, we need to... We need to give you like your due, and he held like the United States World, the United States Championship, and the Intercontinental Championship each in like his last three years in the company. It was like hilarious. That's Ibay. They're the jobber that's supposed to lose to everyone, and then they just like said, "Well, you lost to a bunch of people. You went through the LSPL. Let's give you your credit now." And then they made it to Worlds. They won a couple games. We got some entertainment value out of them, and we got a, just an excellent excellent song written by Edelweiss Barry to to Obscurica yes because Amazing Jay just just was amazing against Flash Wolves I uh, had to write a song I will say this as a Flash Wolves fan I was less amused by just how poorly that went but (laughs) I I, I don't blame Aimee right both of those wins that Aimee got were against Flash Wolves they earned those wins against Flash Wolves mostly because Flash Wolves earned losing like that was like flash wolves deserved to lose each and every one of those games and honestly when it comes down to me and i may like i i did love just the confusion that enemy teams had when they played them throughout this group like there was a moment where amazing jay gets a hook uh with his nautilus that kills faker underneath the inner mid tower like the game was so clearly in skt's favor but it was one of those things where you could tell like God, I haven't played a Nautilus in so long. Like, what, what does he do again? What's the range on that hook? Oh, crap, I'm dead. Like, and it was the same thing I felt with Cloud9 and Aimee, and I felt like one of the reasons it went so long, I'm like, Cloud9, I know it's been a few months, but you should know what Maokai's ult does. Like, you should be aware of the damage reduction. I've and been playing Maokai since season two, and I still don't know what Maokai's <laughs> ultimate does. Like, I just know it's a circle. You absorb some damage, and then you blow it up, and you kill, and you kill, steal their eighty carry with a hundred health as your Caitlyn ults him. Like, yeah, I think every North American <laughs> fan was terrified. Not just because it would mean that there would be no team out of the group stage for them, but also because they'd then have to say, "How well? How did you get eliminated?" Well, Maokai showed up. And suddenly, here we are, which I don't think was something that... There's North no American trees fans. in San Francisco. What are you talking about? I don't think North, uh, I don't think they were ready for that. But, um, but yeah, this is... Uh, that, that's Ime for you. It's, it's time to move on as much as I don't want to. Oh, um, you have to. You have to. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Let's hear, let's hear this one. I, need, I can't wait to hear all this, this LMS apologists. Let's go. It's tasty. 
It's I, tasty, tasty karma. It's look. First of Come all, on, bring it on. Bring let, it. Let's uh, let's put this uh, let's put this in two different conversations. The first conversation is: Were Taiwan bad at this tournament? And the answer I would say is: In their wins, they weren't. Their wins were very high quality wins. When Flash Wolves looked good, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lump AHQ in here, by the way, for those of you who are curious. I'm gonna basically talk about both of these teams around the same time because they're both incredibly similar in my opinion. When these teams looked good, they looked really good. The Flash Wolf win against SKT was one of the cleanest wins we saw in the whole tournament. When the Flash Wolves beat up on Cloud9, Cloud9 didn't stand a chance. AHQ's first win against H2K was a dominant win. They they played very well in their games against INTZ. They never gave INTZ the lead. They never really gave them much of an opportunity. But both of these teams, and this is what infuriates me. This is what, as a Taiwanese fan, just blew my mind. And it, it, Flash Wolves, it's a very easy question to ask. Do you understand what the late game is. I just, I genuinely want to know. Like, are you aware that there is a point in the game in which you're supposed to take objectives and then turn them into other objectives so that the enemy's base is down and you can do things inside of it? Like, are you aware that this is a thing? Because my, your games against Ime tell me that you are not aware that that is how this works. Their target selection was terrible. The Fight selection in their losses, yes, just when they wanted to engage and how they would engage, was pathetic. MMD in most of these games, whenever he was getting ganked, I guarantee you, whatever direction he should have gone in, whether he should have flashed or not, everything he did under any amount of pressure was <laughs> wrong. A hundred percent of the time. And it's one of those things like people will talk about expect, like, oh my god, what a bad, you know, top laner. Oh, Mouse, he's the worst top laner to get out of the group stage. And you know what? They were bad, not defend. You know, not defending those players. But MMD was just as bad as any top laner you could name, and it was one of those things where he just did it in you know sneaky bad fashions. Like it would just be that he was constantly behind in lane in a tournament where they needed him to be smarter than that. And Karza, for every mechanical skill he possessed, you know he never did enough pressure in the early game to snowball some of these games before they would have even had to get to the late game. And as soon as the late game rolled around, he had no idea what the hell he was doing. Yeah, so, he would so, initiate on fights without any of his team there for backup. So, what in so, the world was the plan? So this is my point on Flash Wolves. And, and, and this is, since, since you lumped them both together, I want to make one point about HQ. I want to make one point of Flash Wolves. And since you're on Flash Wolves right now, let, yeah, let's talk about let's Flash Wolves. Flash Wolves. Carsa. Yeah. You have been, last year you were one of the best junglers in the world. Yeah. You were argued that you should be imported to a Chinese team, to a Korean, you could be imported to a Korean team. North America should import you. You were wasting away in Taiwan. And kind of the same thing with Maple, but whatever. You had a, a, you didn't. You didn't leave for whatever reason. Maybe you weren't offered. Maybe you just have an allegiance to Flash Wolves in Taiwan. Whatever. When you get out jungled by a Lee Sin player that starts blue buff, that takes the blue buff, that then tries to invade you, and, and fails on his invade to the point where you should be like, I know his red's up, let me go just take his red, he's chunked out. Like I, You got out-pressured, you got out-jungled, you got out-early-gamed, you got out-late-gamed, 
by a goddamn mid-laner whose claim to fame is that he is a a a, a second coming of pawn general type player that plays Varus. The second that happened, I am I, I I'm off. I'm off the train. I don't know why you kept beating Korean teams. I don't understand. But the Carson that showed up to this tournament, the champion pool is the exact same for junglers that it was last year. And you just completely yourself. But I don't what? know what happened. He outplayed Blank. And in the game that they beat, it's Cloud9. It wasn't particularly close. Even in the game they lost to Cloud9, it wasn't particularly close. And I'm not saying Meteos is a great jungler, but he had some <laughs> great performances. I'm the not problem saying is, every single... No one in this team had good performances at the same time. With the, within their two wins, everyone was on point. Maple would have a great game. Karza was there for the follow-up. Sword Art would have, you know, usually it was on strong initiating champions, whether it be a Tom Kench or an Alistar. That's where he did his best. That's when I felt the best about the Flash Wolves. And at the end of the day, it just, they couldn't get it together often enough to make it work. And the losses are bad losses. The two games they lost last week, we already went into week one. Those were terrible losses. The loss against Aimee is pathetic. There is no other word than pathetic. As someone pointed out, they gave Aimee so much credit. It was like they spent the entire game going, we don't want to blow the game. We don't want to blow the game. We don't want to blow the game. We don't want to wait a second. When was our power spike again? Oh, it was 10 minutes ago? Crap. And then they lost. And it was embarrassing. I mean, how do you do that? How do you not have a leader on the team with the number of veteran players that you have? How do you not understand what a power spike is and how to play with it in order to give yourself the best chance to succeed? I don't get how they were so brain dead. Because it was an individual talent that lost here. Cars is still a very mechanically talented jungler. Maple is still a very mechanically talented mid laner. Sword Art played very, very well, even in their losses. NL did better than most of us expected. But when push came to shove, they were wimps. They made terrible shot calls. They let they gave up way too much, even when they were ahead. They were afraid to dive. They were afraid to make plays. They were so afraid of what would happen if they made a decision and lost that they ended up playing not to lose. And when you play not to lose, guess what happens? You don't achieve your win condition, and you end up 2-4, and four, and you end up with me having to sit on this podcast and be mad at you because I know you are better than the Cloud9 team that got out of this tournament. You didn't play like at this tournament. You threw away games. Those IMA games are both pathetic. You won one of them, you would have gotten a tiebreaker, and after you beat Cloud9 in the group stage week two, I believe you would have done it again. But you lost that chance because you screwed yourselves over and you have no one else to blame. Because you made terrible calls, you played like you had no guts, and instead your guts spilled all over the floor. I am, I, I have no, I, I have no problem being angry at that team. That team does not deserve defense. They so, had their defense. They refused to defend themselves because so, they were so. And, and the thing is, I know they can do it. You know, I know I can do. They can do it. They did it twice. They did it all throughout Taiwan. They did it at MSI. This team just. They lost their minds. They lost their minds. And you know what? Now I've lost my mind. And when you make Obscurica drink, like Obscurica made a whole thing. Like He doesn't drink. He, he gets a hangover from three whole beers. And you made him drink because your performance was so devastatingly bad that even someone who wrote an entire article about how you were going to let him down was let down. 
That's how bad you were, Flash Wolves. So, so get your so stuff together. Obviously, Flash Wolves fell apart. They they were the team out of Taiwan that I expected the most out of. See, what I expected H- the most out of AHQ, which well, is what why. H- so so let's <laughs> let's let's shift AHQ. What what uh what did AHQ do that that also deserves your ire? Oh what? my God! What didn't they do that deserves my ire? <laughs> I mean, let's break down all of these games, right? I mean, AHQ they beat INTZ twice. Congratulations! They they beat EDG week one or week two, I should say. It was a great victory. Wait, no, they didn't beat EDG. I'm sorry. They beat H2K week one. Great Happy. victory. Closed it out. They have the perfect strategy to beat EDG. All you have to do is attack Mouse. You want to know why? Because clear love never ganks for mouse. It's a very clear strategy. All you have to do is gank top. Just gank top. Just gank top. First week, they just didn't do it for whatever reason. Second week, it is a do or die game. If they win, they go on. And they are given the Exodia composition, as the memers so well put it. They got every single champion that they wanted. They got Nar, Elise, Twisted Fate, Jinx, Tom Ketch. If you were coming up with a dream composition for AHQ, that's the one, as long as Westor is in the lineup, that you would use. And that's the Westor caveat that I'm going to close with here. But just for now, let's pretend that Westor is your only mid lane option. That's the dream. You were ahead 8,000 gold. Your fights from that point forward were atrocious. You picked a Baron that was at best a 50-50, and you let Clearlove out-jungle you. And I don't know why you would go for a 50-50 Baron, because everyone agrees that Mountain is the weakest player on your team, so you put the 50-50 chances in his hands against one of the best junglers in the world. What the hell were you thinking? How is that possibly the right play? That is the one thing that could kill you. And even then, you could have just run away. You could have accepted that you lost the fight. You know what? One Baron's not going to make that big of a difference. You're still ahead 6, 7K at this point, And you tried to fight after you'd already clearly been injured by the Baron. The resistances were down. You had nothing going for you. And even after half of your team turned, you know, to run, the other half stuck around. And I just, I don't get it. If Westor sacrifices himself, everyone else gets out of the fight. One person is dead. EDG doesn't get half of the objectives they do, and you're still okay. But the worst part, the worst part of that loss, and that's the only loss that matters. Say what you will, but the H2K win over them earlier in the day. I think that those teams are pretty evenly matched. That you know, If there had been a tiebreaker for the one seed, it would have been a very fun tiebreaker to watch. I think they're about the yeah. same level. But EDG, they had this and when the two fights that came after that Baron happened, On did less damage than everyone on his team except for his support as a six-item Jinx who even had the gall to build Guardian Angel despite the fact that with Tom Kench and Nar and Elise, you basically have a Protect the Jinx composition. He had no faith in himself. He was nowhere to be found during teamfights, which means either A, they were initiating bad teamfights, which was also true, but B, where the hell were you? Where was it more important to be? Were you late for like a coffee lunch with a, like a friend of yours? Like, what the hell were you doing? You are the one thing 
that can win these fights. And when you were there, you were tearing through EDG. And then the last 15 minutes of the game, you just decide not to show up. He had a quote at the end of that game. He said that we lost because of poor execution, to which I had so many expletives I wanted to throw out that I cannot say on this podcast in response to that. No duh, it was execution. You know who should be executed? You. Your jinx whoa, should be executed. Whoa, not not whoa, him as a person, but his whoa, jinx should be executed okay. on that rift. At the end of the game, we should have had an entire ceremony saying, On is not allowed to be considered a star player anymore. I, I'm done. I'm done. You play that way in a game that you needed to win. Coward. You absolute coward. I... I I'm done. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. AHQ is gonna, you know, is gonna go for a full rebuild. Flash Wolves are gonna go for at least a partial rebuild. These are things that, you know, I, I've heard some rumors about. I think it's gonna keep happening for, you know, a while now. You know, this is this is something that's been a while coming, right? These teams didn't succeed. They're the best two teams in Taiwan. They can bid for just about anybody. But this is where I bring up, and and this is where I'm gonna get disappointed. Um, and talk to you guys about something that just makes me genuinely sad on the inside. I wrote an article, May 13th, 2016. Flash Wolves run shows LMS deserves attention. This can be found on slingshotesports.com, in which I point out, with the help of Obscurica, all of the huge organizational fundamental issues that are plaguing Taiwan right now. The lack of money. The lack of infrastructure outside of the top three teams, the inability to really develop talent because of the you know those two problems being so existent. And by the way, if you're counting on Riot to help out, you know how many people are at Riot's esports department in Taiwan? One. There is one person from Riot Games in Taiwan's esports department. Everything else is run by Garena, who has so many other games that they need to balance and so many other things to tackle that there's no way they could spend more money trying to fix this. Riot has to fix this. Riot has to make Western fans give a crap by actually having an English stream so that people get to know and enjoy these people. Because some of the stories, if you follow Taiwan, some of these players are some of the most likable players you're ever going to meet. Maple is one of my favorite people to hear interviewed. He is such a genuine kind-hearted person. I love Sword Art. I love Albus. I love Westor as a person. You know, these are all things where there are so many great stories to be told and most people are never going to hear them because there is no English cast because until MSI and Worlds, we pretend like Taiwan doesn't exist and no one in Riot is willing to acknowledge that there is a power region that is in desperate need of their help the same way that Korea got help, the same way that China got help, and they are letting it die. And they're going to continue to let it die until the LMS is no longer a power region. And it's going to be me, Obscurica, and Gumiho throwing the funeral. And everyone else is just going to be like, oh, well, it's Taiwan. And that is going to be the saddest part of all. And oh, Hi. by the way, AHQ, just one last thing. Your floor. You started Westdoor five of six games in this tournament. Shawi is a player that anyone who follows Taiwan can tell you for a fact was a better mid laner for this meta. You had to ban Syndra on blue side every game because Westor couldn't play it. You know who's a great Syndra player? Shawi. You know who's a great Victor player? Shawi. You know who's great at basically every meta champion that you're going to throw out there right now? Shawi. Why wasn't he played? 
Westor, I guess, because you have this allegiance to him and you keep letting him retire and pull this Brett Favre move every year and then come back because you love him and you know the fans love him and it's the only thing that brings you any sort of streaming money because once again, Riot abandoned your region, so you feel this need to attach yourself to him and keep him going. Oh, it hurts my brain. It hurts. I'm my my face. I'm, I can feel my <laughs> face getting red and just permeating this heat. I, you go ahead and at, say at, some at, things at, at the risk of, of of angering you further, which I don't think is even possible. Uh, the question I keep posing to Chase, whether it's on on camera, whether it's off camera, I even told him before I was going to say this. Why should I care about the LMS? And he's made great points. There, there's very little infrastructure there. There's no English cast. Like It's quite obvious why, currently, I don't care about it. Why I probably don't need to care about it. Um, he makes points about why I should. The players, all that kind of stuff. That It's great League of Legends. But inside of that, and, and some of it may need to be things that Riot needs to fix. No, I personally don't like trying to watch VODs where I can't understand what's going on. Because... Part of the the process of it is listening and hearing because you can't catch everything visually. It's impossible to catch everything in any kind of sport visually. It's just absolutely impossible. So you need to have that audio kind of cue telling you what's going on as you're watching the screen. Maybe the stories are interesting, but it happens the same at the same time that Korea and China does. The quality of play is not as good as at least Korea, and I would still put China for the most part above it. It does not have anything compelling to it, to me personally, beyond the top two teams. And I guess now I have to include J-Team in that because they were so good for the entire season. But when I make jokes about Machi and about this being a wildcard region, it's because the bottom of it is garbage. It is terrible. It is awful to watch. I don't want to pay attention to it. I'll watch the one AHQ versus Flash Wolves series that's good. I'll you know pay attention a little bit to the playoffs so I knew who's going. But I don't see anything that Taiwan or Riot could do without a massive, massive overhaul of the region and their priorities to make me care about the LMS. And I think that is a fundamental problem. And I think when Riot looks at it, they look and they see people like me and they can't answer that question. They can't answer to me the question why I should care about the LMS. And the investment that they would have to make just wouldn't be worth it to them. So I'm not defending it. I'm not trying to say they're in the right to not do it. I'm not in the boat that says the LMS needs to die as a region because they are one of three regions, two if you don't want to count season one, that have won a world championship. Well, and it was but, a story but what you're proposing team and will region. kill the region. That's the problem. You, the region cannot prop itself up on its own. Garena has too many eggs and too many Correct. baskets. They cannot do it. And here's the question that really needs to be asked. When it comes to International League of Legends, what matters most? And if your answer is, I want to see the best teams perform on a regular basis, then the answer is, awesome, fix Taiwan. Because Taiwan is a region with tons of really talented players. There is a reason that Taiwan dominated the GPL back when they were in a region with Southeast Asia. And we call that a power region. Because mm -hmm. Taiwan has an incredibly large, passionate player base. Taiwan is a country, uh, you know, or whatever you want to call it. I understand it politically gets complicated. But Taiwan is a region loves League of Legends. They put so much of themselves, so much of their fan base, so much of everything else into this game. And yet they are going to stagnate and die without any help 
because the money isn't there and there aren't going to be that many Jay Chows willing to come in and buy a team like the Taipei Assassins and fix things that way, where at the very least it's going to be slow enough that it'll be a slow, painful death. And if you don't believe me, look at the GPL. Look at what happened to the Saigon teams. Remember when the Saigon Jokers were a fun team you looked forward to at Worlds every year? I do too. You're never going to see it again. The Singapore GPL, Sentinels. The GPL is a laughing stock now because without Taiwan, the entire region has been abandoned. There's no money, there's no infrastructure, and it just died. And you know what? If you're one of those people who says, but how does that affect me? Why should I care? I mean, whatever. I, I, I guess, you know. I'm sorry. That's... It, it, it's hard for me to imagine why how, how you could look at a region that is capable of so much and say, nah, I'd rather they undersell their potential for the rest of League of Legends life. I'd rather never see any of the best quality teams, like the two teams we saw meet the quarterfinals last year, like the team that won the Season 2 World Championships. I would rather never see anything like that again and see Taiwan eventually become a wildcard region just like the rest, and we'll all pretend that they just never had an opportunity when there were so many times we could have fixed it and we didn't. And to me, saying, well, it doesn't matter to me, guess what? There are a lot of things that don't matter to me but are still good things to do. I don't care about the school district in Massachusetts because I don't live there, but I'm still glad when it does well because I'm a human being and I care about everyone doing better when they have the ability to reach a certain level of potential. They can do it. It's just not, that's how this works. It's called empathy. It's called understanding that there are people who do care about Taiwan and that Taiwanese player and fan base has put up with so much crap They've had to put up with all the Garena homophobia and whatever else. We all remember that, right? When they had this whole thing about a limit of one transgender person and they're all female team because apparently transgender people have superpowers. Like, do we remember all of the crap that that fan base has gone through and how Garena's run things and the ping and the ping issues and all of the other terrible stuff that Garena does on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis? And I know they're trying their best. This isn't a bash Garena podcast, but Wyatt needs to make a choice. Either you abandon Taiwan, you abandon the passionate fan base that has done so much to keep that region alive when you have failed them for years now, or you let it die and you live with that. And it might not matter to a lot of the West, but it matters to me. And I really do not want to see yet another international wildcard region. It's, it's you know that, you know, it's one of those things where Riot's making good decisions on some of the other marks. I, you know, I'll, I'll Rasta Poppy, uh, uh, or Rasta Duppy, excuse me, put a comment here where, you know, Riot is, is starting to help the esports scene. So maybe in three years they will try to help the LMS. The LMS won't exist in three years at this rate. It doesn't have three years. It doesn't have, it, you know, two years at the most. And I know I sound alarmist, but it's because I'm alarmed. So take that as you will. I, uh, it makes me sad. I'm angry at the teams. The teams could have played better. The teams had all the potential in the world to make it out of both of their groups. They both failed. They both deserve every ounce of criticism they get. You know, the Taiwanese fans will give them a whole bunch of lip when they get back. You know, but the region itself, if you care about good League of Legends, you don't want Taiwan becoming another bad wildcard region like the GPL is. That's not what's best or healthiest for the game. It's just not. It's just not. Gotta, gotta have a little faith, bro. Gotta have a little faith. I have a little bit of faith. 
So, we'll segue to the faith age then. I, I mean, there's nothing else to say. I mean, I, I know that there are going to be people who, who agree with me, um, who believe that the LMS deserves help. I'll put it this way. Uh, I wrote that article in May. Uh, you know what's changed since I wrote it? Nothing. You know how many articles Obscurica's run about it? How much has changed? Nothing. Gumiho? Nothing. There are plenty of people who are trying to make this matter, and it's not, so... Anyway, Sonologic Gaming. We have to move on. We have to move on. My, I, could, I could rant for three hours about the LMS. And, I, I know you could. And my feelings about it. But you know what? I know you could. We get to flip it on the, uh, you know, we get to flip it on the other side. North America. The, the region that last week was talking about having all three teams go through that gave Europe yeah. so much crap. Yeah. And it starts with CLG yeah. in Group A. I mean, other than the wild card buff that happens every time a wild card team plays CLG, what happened? How did we get here? Louis trash. You can't have a mid laner that only knows how to play two champions. That's that's it. I Darshan actually elevated his play, I think, during during week one and during week two. Um he is not back to spring Darshan or MSI Darshan, but he definitely elevated his play. It was good to see that. Yeah, Poppy um, helped. X Smithy is a fantastic jungler. He just gets better and better. Every time I watch him play, he just gets a little bit better. And that's fantastic. Um, Stixay and Aphromoo uh, are the same. You know, Stixay, again, is, is someone that's making just really small incremental improvements, and that's fine. They don't need him to explode and become the best AD carry in, in North America. And that's when I go back to, to my statement. Like, you know, CLG, they're going to kind of hover around this, you know, Third, you know, four to two best team in North America get to Worlds. You know, if they get the right group, maybe they can get out of it. If not, you know, unless they get some massive, massive improvement from Stixay. But I think at the end of the day, um, who he's done. I can't see him being on this roster anymore. They need to replace him. They need to get someone that has a larger champion pool. Um, Which is funny to say of who he, because the old knock on him was he plays so many champions, just none of them very well. And now you look at it and you say, well, now he's just not... He still he still plays a bunch of champions. When I'm referring to champion pool here, I'm not referring to the ability to play champions. I have the ability to play all 130 some odd champions in the game, but I don't play Zed because I'm bad at Zed. I don't play uh, Kha'Zix because the Kha'Zix isn't very good right now. When you are only good at two champions in 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 a meta, when you're only good at two champions, kind of period, and it takes you six seven weeks to get good at a different two champions to adapt to a different meta. Um, that's a problem. So, yeah, I just, I can't see him staying on this team. He seems yeah. like an incredibly nice person. He seems like he gets along with the team. Yeah. Maybe you keep around as a sub. Maybe you do some sort he of two. He could be an analyst. He could be a positional coach. Maybe, maybe you he go to that one. cheerleader. I don't care. I you do two mid laners. I, I don't know, but I think that if CLG ever wants to truly be successful as an organization, as a team in North America, as a team on the world stage, they cannot do it with Huey. I, I, I. I hold that true to my heart. He is a he is a wonderful person. It is a shame to not be able to see him anymore. But fundamentally, if this team wants to improve and wants to be a contender in North America and on the world stage, they have to replace Huey. They do. That's just what it comes down to. And and the other Simple. thing, and and none of the CLG fans want to talk about it, or at least the ones that do. You know, it's in very hushed breaths way down in the Reddit comment section. Aphromoo played like crap this tournament. Aphromoo had a terrible tournament. 
He missed so many of his ults. He wasn't the initiator that we talked about heading into this tournament that he needed to be. He was their primary engage for the last two splits. He was the guy who was shot calling and making all of these decisions, and he looked bad. He was abused in lane. He would be caught out on roams where he would never do that before. He just choked. I mean, I don't, I don't like to use the word choked, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know how else to describe it. You know, there was this idea before season five that Aphromoo couldn't play well in big game situations. And whether you put that on Aphromoo, whether you put that on double lift, whether you put that on, you know, whatever you put it on, you know, last year's Worlds, Aphromoo didn't look great. But then, you know, they had these championships in North America. They had these big wins against big rivals. But it's a problem when, at the end of the day, push comes to shove. He did not show up for this team. And while Darshan played okay, he wasn't so amazing to make up for what was coming down from Aphromoo's deficiencies. Because when you're losing the vision war, when you're losing the ability to engage, you're putting all of it onto your jungler and your top laner, and your top laner's good but not great, then suddenly a guy like Huhi, who does have positional errors, are exposed. And, you know, I, I, I see some people in chat, Sirenos just talked about, you know, Maybe who he could stay, but you've really got to, to make up for some of those deficiencies. I don't know if Darshan bounces back from the split he just had. You know, he's been playing League since Season 2. How many people are still playing from Season 2 in North America? Uh, I'll give you a hint. Not a lot. Might and, just and be Darshan. Those... Darshan and Smithy. Uh, Smithy might have been around back in the day. Double lift. Double lift Double has lift been definitely. around. That's, I mean, that's your short Ex list. I mean, Medios, yeah, it's really Medios has been playing, but he had to take a whole year off because he wasn't good enough. And guess yeah, what? He He's back to being not good enough as soon as this tournament is over. Spoiler alert for our later section. Um, I, I just don't know if he bounces back. I don't know if he has that competitive edge to him. And after losing like this, when you're sitting at home because you lost to a Russian team, that you didn't deem worthy of your scrim time? Twice? Well, CLG wouldn't be scrimming them anyways. Twice? CLG shouldn't be scrimming them anyways because they're in the well, same group. Uh, of course, but but you know you could say the same about any of the teams that you know. There were a lot of fundamental issues with this team that exposed them in the North American LCS, and the only way they were going to overcome them on a world stage is if Aphromoo continued his level of play, Darshan improved and who he did enough. And yeah. in my opinion, Darshan stepped up a little bit, Aphromu took a huge step back, and who he was who we thought he was. Uh, and that was not an intentional pun, but I'm kind of glad it happened anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. If, if I'm CLG, I, I think that you have to look at the drawing board and say, you know, is Aphromu going to be able to perform on a big stage what is our goal as an organization he has is he, he has I, I i disagree with you he doesn't perform on a big career, stage over the course of his career he has had two postseasons where he has done well and two worlds tournaments and about five postseasons where he has done poorly i think that matters i think that is relevant if you look at the overall sample size there's a reason that before they won the NA Championship in Season 5, he was known as someone who could not perform on the big stage. 
just because he had two good North American so champions. So was Double Lift, to be fair. So like, was the, and guess what? We're about to talk about Double Lift choking on the big stage again because he looked terrible in week two for TSM. <laughs> and that's the team we have to get to next. So, if we're, you know, I, I trust me, I give that criticism both ways. That's not a one sided critique here, good sir. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the floor on TSM because this is your team. This is the team that you love. Um, the 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 impression I've gotten, you know, and and some of this, you know, you weren't able to watch live. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll be honest. I I made I made a decision. I could either go see uh, Trevor Noah, mm-hmm. or I could go watch these games live. And given the political climate, I picked Trevor Noah. And God, was it great, especially after what happened the day before. So I made the right choice here. And um, yeah, I can't say that I was surprised. I can't say that I didn't see this coming. Um, ever since Kelsey Moser said, I think this team is better than EDGs. It's the third best team in the world. I just went, God, no, please don't do this. Please don't overhype this team. Don't do it. Because one, they were not challenged in North America. None of the teams in North America were good enough. Let's be very honest. I know Cloud9 made it to quarterfinals. Whoopty freaking do. None of the teams in North America were really good enough to provide decent practice against what you would expect on a world stage. There is not an 80 carry in North America that can challenge double lift the way that Uzi would challenge him. That just doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. There's no mid laner that can challenge Bjergsen the way that a mid laner like Crown can. I think Crown is an exceptional mid laner. I think yeah. he's, he's fantastic. I think he is up there when you talk about mid laners in, in, in uh, Korea. I think he's better than Curl. That like, I don't think so good. That victory was amazing. And that just comes down to some like pick and ban stuff that I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you let Crown play his absolute best champion that he has shown time in and time out. It does not matter if you think you have a counter pick. It does not matter what you play into it. He's going to beat you in lane. He has beaten Faker with that champion in lane. Granted, SKT then beat them in the mid to late game, in the team fighting phase and everything. But in lane, Crown has shown that he can go toe-to-toe with Faker on that champion. He can go toe-to-toe with Kuro. He can go toe-to-toe with anything that Korea had to throw at him on that champion. Teams banned the champion against him. Yeah. I didn't understand the Zillion pick. Because as good as he is at Zillion, as good as Bjergsen he, he is at champions... He was not good like, at that, in that game. We'll as, put it that way. As a whole, as good as he is against uh, on Lulus, and Orianas, on Zillions... That's not what you want him on. Mm-hmm. I get he's good at the support of mid lane champions. I get you have to, you know, play around double if some. You have to play around haunt haunt some. That's not his champion. Don't make him play those kind of supportive champions. I don't care how good he is at them. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what was working for you guys. It was when he was playing lane dominant champions. It was when you were doing the exact same thing that you were doing in North America. It was three lane dominant champions, crush laning phase, get into team fight phase with a lead. That's the second thing. By never being challenged in North America, they were never challenged to play from behind. They never had to learn how to win a game when they were behind. They never had to learn how to react when they didn't have a gold lead. We look at the scrim culture that people talk about. Oh, we're doing great in our scrims. We're doing great in our scrims. You should be getting killed in your scrims when you play against Korean teams. You should be losing. You should not be beating them in a scrim. If they don't take it serious, fine. That's their problem. But... I should not be hearing, oh, yeah, we're doing great in scripts. We're awesome in scripts. That's, we're, we're winning all of our scripts. That means you aren't learning. If you're winning all of your games in the regular season and you're winning all your scrims, you're not learning. Yeah. You're just regurgitating the same stuff and fine-tuning it and never having it challenged, which is going to bring me to my third point. Well, and if you are a 
I'll let you go before I go on Because I know where this is going, and it has to do with some scrim culture, and we both have some strong feelings about it. Uh, I, I do want to say, and, and DM Top Hat made a point about it, you know, about how inconsistent they looked. Cargillicus uh, in the chat also said, you know, was it ego? I don't, I don't know. I, I would imagine it's, uh, it's a bit of both. I think double lift, absolutely. When you look at the overextensions that he makes, that always comes from ego. That's double lift. You know, I made the joke last week. You know, double lift knows he's trash, but still thinks he's better than everyone else. He is the golden trash bag compared to everyone else's normal black ones. Like that's just how he views the game. That's the confidence that he has. And for a lot of people, you know, that's what you need to be a champion. You need to have the confidence that you are going to be able to come in and be dominant and, and be able to beat up on the enemy team. And that can work for you, or it could punish you in a huge way. Uh, you know, it, you can say, you, you cannot be baited by someone like Mata insulting your ego. You cannot be baited by teams saying like, oh yeah, you know, double lift is, you know, he's fine or he's okay or whatever. And it did feel like there was some mental stuff in there, but he's always been like that. So I don't know how much to attribute to that. Maybe he, all of that was white noise and he just did what he always does on the big stage and tries to be the hero, which, you know, I'm going to give Forgiven a lot of credit later on in this podcast for not being that guy when he didn't need to yeah. be, because that was something that I was very afraid that he and Doublelift were both going to, you know, fall to that same symptom. And the one I thought would fix it didn't. And the one that I didn't think would fix it did. So, you nice. know, con congratulations for that. But I mean, Hanser had some really bad games. Bjergsen had one of the worst Bjergsen games I've ever seen. You get solo killed in lane twice. I don't care what champion you are or what the matchup is. That's unacceptable. That's that's just flat out disrespect. You cannot. It's you can't do it. It's it's just not okay. And and I mentioned last week, uh, or I should say on our guest alliance podcast before Group D, are you afraid that Sven Skaren could drop off? You said no. He did drop off a little bit. A, li that a little. Just a little, but a it little. was just enough. He was their best player. He was their best player that week. He, this uh, past in, week. In, in week two? I, I would say... He was their best player in week two. He was their best player in week yeah, two. He was the most consistent. Your, he was the best player. That, that's your biggest problem. It's because he took a very slight step back, and the rest of the team took big steps back. Yerkson is supposed to be your hero player... And when he got Syndra, everything was great. And when he was, you know, on just about anything else, he just wasn't there. He and literally in Soul Through, which has been proven to be an anti Bjergsen champion oh and God. proven to be an anti Faker champion. He's literally, Apto calls it a boosted character for a reason. Yeah. When you played against Key and you just banned his Urgot and his Hecarim because you didn't want him to be able to cheese him. Why? I just. That's, the coaching staff, the preparation of Pick and Man's in week two was garbage. It was. Terrible. It was. And coach and, of the and split, wanna... by the way. Coach of the split right there. I uh that, <laughs> I mean look one I, bad week and I, he loses it apparently. I, no, I'm, uh, but... I, I'm not giving any credit to Reaper either. He he fell backwards into getting out of that group. So it's not But here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I and I'm now gonna take the mic back. Please. Because it's... I have been I have been waiting all year. Preach. I have been waiting all year for this. Preach. Weldon Preach. Green is a con artist. Yeah. He should no longer be a person on this team. Notwithstanding his comments about scrim culture and everything about Korea that he said and their nationalistic pride and all, all that. Grow a pair, dude. 
Of course they're going to share scrim stuff. Of course they're going to be talking to each other. They're friends. They play in the same league. And of course they don't want some snot-nosed North American team coming in and taking their title away from them. Of course. Of course they are. Have you never played sports before? We did that in intramural. <laughs> we did that intramural soccer. Be like, yo, dude. So last week we were playing against this team and they brought this new kid in. He's like 7-2. They just stick him in goal. You're not going to score on him. Go to penalties. Like, tr try and get as many penalties as you can on him. Like, that happens in real sports. And you're a sports psychologist. Come on. Come on, man. I, I will say this. Uh, as a coach, he broke every single rule of scrim culture that I could possibly imagine. Rule number one, you never tell anyone who you're scrimming. You just don't do it. You don't talk about it. You don't, you know, make it very clear. You know, you don't ever let results really come out. You just have your scrims because it's work. It's not you getting to advertise how good of a job you're doing. It's you doing your job. The work and the time you get to get praise for it is when that work turns into results on the big stage. Number two, you never scrim against anybody with the, uh, that you are afraid is going to get back to you. When I ran my team in Turkey, and then, look, you guys can give me all the crap you want. Imperial didn't you know, win anything, whatever. I, I think my team did very well given some crazy circumstances that were going on at the time. But you know what I never did? I never scrimmed against a single team from Turkey. Why? Because I knew they were all friends. And at that time, we had good enough scrim partners in other regions that, that that's where we went. And you know what? If you say to yourself, like, but Korea is the best scrim partners, you're absolutely right. So accept the cost of that. There is an inherent cost in every decision that you make. You could scrim worse teams and not worry about it, or you can scrim better teams and accept that that's about to happen. And by the way, just for the record, I do not believe that TSM, Cloud9, and CLG did not share any notes from scrims with each other. Oh, yeah. Those are buddy-buddy teams. These guys have been friends forever. It is absolutely ridiculous ridiculous that you would make any sort of assumptions like oh man the koreans don't think did it because they shared results with each other yeah and your zyra band came out of nowhere i'm sure i bet no one that was scrimming against them at the time made a you know a thing about like oh man that zyra from core jj is really good and so you banned it that came out of left field the casters the guys whose job it is to be prepared for weird things like that had no idea what they were doing with it until core jj brought it out a game later and did really well with it you knew and you can tell me oh but they played 10 games in solo queue i looked at those 10 games in solo queue they weren't anything special and compared to some other champions that he pulled out in solo queue it was not as most frequently played in the slightest no way you waste a ban on it. No way. No way you waste a ban on that and don't ban the victor. Let me put it that way. You knew that Zyra was that dangerous because someone told you, oh my God, Core JJ Zyra is so good. That's how you knew. And so don't you, so don't you dare. And number three, and the most important thing, you're upset with your scrims, say nothing. That is not anyone else's issue. Certainly not the public's issue. It's why I never respected the unicorns of love for going on the rant that they did about like, oh, but they didn't want to scrim us. It's like, shut up. Shut up. I don't care about your problems. I don't care about like, oh man, poor me. I didn't get a scrim partner. You can find a way. You can always find a way. I was part of that scrim channel. They could have found teams to scrim. There were plenty of teams looking forward to scrimming. They might not have been the best quality teams, but you could have tried something. You did not try. You decided to make a public thing about it because you wanted the public who doesn't understand how scrims work to crucify them. 
And Weldon did the exact same thing right here. He just wanted people to say, feel bad for TSM and crucify Korea because they're coming up with their grab bag of excuses. This isn't even about TSM. So so I look at this. This this. This isn't even about TSM. This is about Weldon. It's and I feel like yeah, ever TSM since... TSM didn't do this. Weldon did this. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish this. Because sorry, sorry. this is a point that I have made any time that I've discussed Weldon. Going all the way back to Spring Split when TSM put so much credit into him about their success going into the end of the split. Oh, we won games because Weldon was here. Oh, we won games because Weldon was here. He convinced Reggie and Doublelift and Bjergsen that they needed him to be successful. I think that the team they put together with the talent they put together was fantastic i think they would have won that region i don't think they needed weldon's mindfulness meditation bull to win that region and to get to get to worlds i don't think they needed it for the number one seat he convinced them that oh you need this you guys need to be better people we're gonna do all this thing boohoo him going out and saying i told reggie that I wouldn't put the system in place to make these two guys as good as they were. This aggressive, you know, strong, really practice schedule unless he paid them more money. That wasn't about, yeah, got, the players are getting paid more money. It was, I welded green, got Reginald to pay them more money yeah. because I wouldn't do this unless he paid them more money. Then you have the balls after you spend so much time on your YouTube channel, after you spend so much time in TSM Legends, all this time promoting, we do meditation, we do all these, you know, touchy-feely group exercises, which... Fine. Whatever. I don't think that's what you needed to beat Korea. You have the goddamn audacity to come out and criticize SKT for doing a mindfulness technique that there are people talking about on Reddit and on Twitter saying, I learned that in my high school class. That's something that you actually do. Where you say in a response to someone asking a question, hey, would meditation in between games help? And you go, I don't necessarily think it would happen in between two games because it's only like 10 minutes, but it has long-term really good effects. And then you lambaste SKT for that. You, sir, are a con artist. You are a sham. And if you are on a single LCS team next split, I would be highly disappointed in that organization. You know nothing about esports, and you need to get the hell out. Because, quite frankly, I was sick of you after two weeks of you being on my team. I can't imagine what you would be like if you were in this scene for another year. I can't imagine it. Look, I, I'm going to give you some insider information here. Someone, I he he runs a, a an agency, Good Games. Uh, I think it's Good Game Coaching. I, I got to double check that. He has his own thing where he it's a website you can sign up. My organization signed me up while I was coaching there. You, you know, the whole idea is that it's supposed to connect you to a community of coaches that are all supposed to help teach you, um, you know, and and, and figure it out. And, and really help you grow as a team. And the whole thing is he has this whole lecture series and you can go back and watch all these lectures. And I got to be honest, I learned absolutely nothing from him that wasn't common sense. And he charges a subscription on the guys that one day his program will make you a certified coach. That's his whole selling point is that he will give you a certification. He welded on high shall certify you as a coach worth being hired by other teams if you go through his section. He has this whole meeting plan where he's going to talk with you one-on-one and talk about your dreams and aspirations. And by the way, I never heard of anyone who actually got that meeting with him. When I looked at the schedule, it was booked for the entirety of the year. And when I asked on the forum what was up with that because I got this message and there doesn't seem to be any time available, they ignored me completely. The forums were dead. 
There was nothing there. Weldon was not interacting with that site with anything other than these Twitch streams that were basically seminars about why he's so smart to do things the way that he does. And I swear to you, at the end of the day, you do not need to believe in Weldon. The Weldon effect came in because anytime you make a change, there is a euphoria afterwards. You feel better just from the extent that there's something new and you have to believe as a team that that's going to be the X factor that makes you better. That's how this works. It is a placebo for a reason. And it's a good placebo. I'll give him credit for that. He does a really good job of making it sound like he knows what he's doing. But there's a reason that I do not take anything he says at face value anymore. And I got downvoted for saying this, but I'm going to say this now. I, I put it on Reddit. You know what they call the person who is at the lowest part of his grade in a, in a sports psychology field? A psychologist. That's what it's called. The worst person who still graduates gets the same title as the best. And the guy does not understand. I mean, Cyrenos even put out how shocking it was that he made a comment of, you know, not understanding that taking breaks away from the game was a benefit. Guess what? I got thrown into a coaching job I wasn't even supposed to have in Istanbul where there were bombs going off pretty much every day where sometimes we wouldn't have more than bread to eat every once in a while. And even I, with all of those things, reminded my players to take breaks every once in a while. That's, that's the thing I don't it's understand. It's hard. That's the thing I don't understand. Weldon made this huge point of, oh, we're practicing so much more. They aren't doing other things. They aren't streaming as much. It's League of Legends 24-7, which is so counterintuitive to anything that I've ever heard about psychologists saying how you want to be successful at. It's like the number one thing is take a break. Take a break. 24 hours, like, relax. Do something that completely takes your mind off of everything. And maybe some of it's hyperbole to get us fans pumped up and happy about everything. But I want to make this point because I don't want people to come away from this rant as I dislike sports psychology. Right. I feel that there is a place. But any time that it seems successful, that, that people really talk about it being successful, um, you know, TV shows purport it as this is a success. It is always when it's that one little thing. It's, they need that one last little advantage to get over the hump, and that's what will make them successful. They need to figure out, oh, what's my tell? Oh, I, you know, I, I'm doing everything right. I just can't seem to catch the ball. It, it, it's a mind thing. Bjergsen knows that mechanically he is almost as good as Faker. Yeah. They all know we are just as good mechanically as the Koreans. It's not a mental thing. It's not there's some there's not some mental block on it. It's that they're ineffective at their practice. They don't have enough experience in these high intensity situations against the best teams in the world because quite frankly, they don't play the best teams in the world. Right. And, and Reggie, this is right to you, buddy, because I know you watch this show. I see your comments and your tweets about it all the time. This is right to you. I'm going to give you some advice. And, and dude, you don't have to fly me and my family out from Finland and get us visas and all this jazz. I'm going I'm to tell you something right now. If you want to be a world champion, what you need to do is you need to go buy a second team. And you need to go buy a second team that is good enough to make it to Worlds and could possibly win Worlds given some things. You need to have 10 players underneath your banner 
that all have one goal, which is to win worlds, that all have the talent to win worlds, that all have the dedication to win worlds, that only care about winning worlds. And then you'd be good enough. You can't go get Ark second and be like, all right, Bjergsen, play against Ark second for the next six months. That'll get you good enough. No, go buy SKT. If you want to win worlds, go buy that SKT roster. You have them play against each other. You don't have them play against anybody else. And that's how you will perfect your style. That is how you get, get your players good enough at the game that they can go in there, they can actually win a world championship. You want to win a world championship, you take that sister team thing that the Koreans used to do to the next level. And if you have to go half and half because they want to have playing time in the LCS, so be it. Just make sure you get out of NA. But you want to win a world championship, you go buy another team that is capable of making the world championships, and your players will be the best players that they possibly can be. Not because some psychologist is sitting there saying, all right, guys, let, let's talk about our feelings now, okay? That's the route to success. That is what you need to do if you want to be a number one organization in the world. Go buy Faker. Go buy Duke. Go buy Blank. Go buy all five of them and have your team play against them for the next six months. And I'm willing to bet that you'll at least make the grand finals, if not win. You know, if Walter only out. there was, you know, this system in which teams could cooperate, like, say, a family would, perhaps even sisters, and live in a house together and practice against each other all the time, and that that would be an entirely legal, okay thing to do. If only such a system was allowed to exist, but, oh, ooh, my competitive integrity symbols are tingling. I can't, I guess that would be somehow bad and, and wrong, despite the fact that every single possible situation that we have seen sister teams work, whether it's StarCraft, Here's a Storm, whatever other game you want to point to, it always ends well, and there's almost never any of the corruption things that Riot cites. But because of that, you can't get two world-class teams. How are you going to pay these guys enough money to sit on the bench all year because you're not allowed to own two teams? I hear Jerry Buss might be looking for a League of Legends team. I mean, look. Look at that Lakers money. Look, I uh, at the end of the day, the, you know, the dream is you know, that you would somehow be able to play Korea on a regular basis. It's not logistically possible with a team in North America. Uh, you, can, you can say you know, with an infinite amount of money, sure, maybe they buy players like that, but there are enough players that would want to uh, you know, go ahead and give it a shot. And I actually really like uh, Cargillicus's thing in the, in the chat. Why can't teams go play in other regions anymore? If TSM wants to say, you know what? We're dropping out of the LCS. We're going to go into the LCK Challenger League. We're going to fight our way into the LCK, and we're going to play against the best teams in the world that way. I'm willing to take that hit because I want to win a championship. Monte Cristo and Thorin used to say that all the time. That is how you become the best. You want to be the best? Play against the best. Learn from the best. And if Riot allowed teams to do that, they could do it. But you Riot guys... has purposely created a scenario now in which you're not allowed to have sister teams. You're not allowed to go out and have teams, even if they're in separate regions. You're not allowed to own two teams. You're not allowed to That's... move your team over to another region so that you can be playing against better teams. TSM is stuck having only one team, and the no. second back of no, the no, no, would, no, no. would have to be in Korea. Who you cannot. No, 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 no. Not... You guys are you guys are you guys are completely missing the point. You can't you guys outspend China or whatever else to get the best players in the world under I, the TSM banner. Reggie doesn't have that much money, and every single one of the players, if they were truly I, worthy I'm, of winning worlds, they I don't would care. Go I don't care what the cost is. I'm not talking about. I'm not saying. Oh, is it financial? Play, that's not what I'm saying. But they're going to want to go play for a chance to win, to win a championship. Worlds. 
If you want a championship, if you want to win a championship, you go buy five world-class capable players. Five players that if you had them on their own LCS team and you put them in, could make worlds themselves and could potentially win the world championship themselves. That is going to be the only way that a North American team does that because there are not 10 teams. There aren't five teams in North America right now that could contest for a world championship. There was one. Cloud9 isn't going to be contesting for a world championship this year. I don't care that they got to quarterfinals. They aren't good enough. CLG is not going to be contesting for a world championship this year. Immortals probably wouldn't have been contesting for a world championship. So that means all that scrim time, all that LCS regular season practice is a waste. Because you aren't going against someone that is going to put you to your limit day in and day out like SKT and Rocks do to each other every time they scrim and every time they play against each other in the regular season. So Reginald Sir, if you want to win, you find the money to do that. But at the end of the day, I know that despite everything you say to us fans, you're a businessman. And you care about your team being successful and making a profit and long-term longevity about your team and their careers and all that jazz. And I've got no problem with that. But if you truly, truly, truly want to win a world championship, you need to go buy that second team capable of winning a world championship. And you need to just practice against each other for the next eight months. Because let me tell you what, I've seen it happen in another game. I've seen an organization do that where their team needed that little bit of a, an extra edge to try and win that world championship. So the owner went out and bought a second team that could win a world championship. And oh my Lord, oh my Lord, they both placed top four at the world championships. It was amazing. And I can tell you from experience that it works. And riots made it illegal to do any of the things you just named. They don't need to play in the LCS. They literally don't need to play in the LCS. They can't they play don't. in the LCK. They can't, Who cares? Like, you are That's never, not the point. You are never going to find Walter. There, let's just let's not the point. calm down. It's not the point. You will never be able to find five world class players who are all capable of winning worlds, who are happy sitting on the bench for a money full talks. year. For, money talks. There is no Reggie does not have anywhere near the amount of money. That's what China, I'm saying. You might have to go China get Jerry Plus to do it. 1.5 million dollars over two years for a player you can't get the residuals on it even if tsm won it wouldn't be worth the money because the world championship isn't worth that much it doesn't work and there's no financial way to do it until riot agrees to let the borders fall and let teams like tsm say you know what we will take our licks we will fight our way into the lck and we will battle our way in and that's how we'll be the best because you know what? In every other esport, guess what? We had a North American team participating in the Gold League in Heroes of the Storm. Counter-Strike Global Offensive has tournaments where Europe and North America plays against each other all the time. These yep. regional boundaries, these strict little boxes that Riot puts these teams in does not exist in any other sport, in any other esport except for this one. And in this one, you are 100% correct in saying it is limiting the potential of so many teams that could go on to do much more. And until that's fixed, until Riot cares enough to fix it, that's how things are going to be. Um, I think I think that's as good a note as any to end part one <laughs> on. Uh, for those of you who are listening at home after the fact, uh, thank you for listening to part one. There's going to be part two where we're actually going to break down each of the quarterfinal series. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash esports rough drafts. iTunes, if you search for the rough draft section on there, those will be your audio only versions. The Video versions will be on YouTube if you search for Rough Drafts Podcast. We still don't quite have enough 
to get uh, our own URL yet, but we're very close. We really appreciate every subscription that you guys give us. Uh, and in fact, I've done a good job. I've tried to go back and comment. Every time you guys make a comment on any of our videos, uh, we do respond. We do appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Uh, for those of you who are on the live stream with Absolutely. us right now, we are going to take a quick three-minute break. I think Walter and I both need to cleanse our palates. <laughs> Me from Taiwan, Walter from Weldon. It's going to be we're all going to be in a better place because we get to talk about fun things now. Walter, we uh, quarterfinals. So we will be back in five minutes. We'll say five minutes. Yeah. So come back for that. Uh, and for the podcast listeners, goodbye. <laughs>